Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Thanks for being at LifePoint today. If you're here for the first time, we really appreciate you coming sharing part of your morning with us and finding out a little bit more about our church. We're in a series called Catalyst Remix. And for you, it might be like, well, what are we remixing? What are we talking about? If you're just here for the first few times. A little over a year ago, we started a journey in our church called Catalyst. And for two years, we are laser beam focused on being agents of change in our families, in our community, and in our world. And now that we're about one year into that journey We're going through a couple of weeks just to share, this is where we are, this is where God has brought us, and here's some amazing opportunities as we enter into this last year of Catalyst with a strong commitment to finish strong next April 2014 when this Catalyst journey ends. You know, no matter what race, religion, what country you're from, male, female, how much money you have, how little money you have, you will eventually ask the question, what comes after this? Everybody asks that. No matter what book they use as a reference, whether they use the Bible or some other religious book, they ask the question, what's after this life? We all want to know, what comes after this? C.S. Lewis said, Though we cannot experience our life as an endless present, we are eternal in God's eyes. That is, in our deepest reality. So the reality is that we're all eternal, and that eternal part of us is what longs to know what comes next. I I remember the first time I ever really wrestled with that in my life. What comes after this, and can I do anything Or be a part of anything that would affect, in a positive or a negative way, what I get to experience after I close my eyes and this life is over. People have always had that question. And at LifePoint, we believe the Bible clearly answers what comes next. There are some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. It's yours to keep. If you don't have a Bible or if you'd like an extra one or want to give one away, just please take one and take it home with you. If you'd like to borrow it and look at it today as I read from a couple of scriptures, you can do that. The scriptures are also on the screen for you to read along as well. There's an episode in the ministry of Christ that's recorded in the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. That is a young man who comes up to Jesus and he's struggling with the very thing I just talked about. He's got a question about what comes next. And his question really is, how do I get in on what comes next? Because he's hearing Jesus talk about eternity. So his question is, hey, Jesus, it's recorded in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 19. Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? So 2,000 years ago, people were still wanting to know How do I get in on living forever? Doesn't that sound cool to get to live forever? I mean, especially when you get like in your 40s and you start to look and things don't look the way they used to look and feel the way they used to feel. It's like, yeah, forever sounds really good because this ain't forever. I can tell you that now. And as we age, we all figure that out. So this guy comes up to Jesus and says, I want in on this eternal life. 
And here's how Jesus responds. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not give false. You you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbors yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? So this guy was obviously a person who studied scripture, a person who had a desire to follow God. And Jesus said, well, here's what you need to do. And he said, well, I do all of that. What do I still lack? And then Jesus responds in a way that if you're just casually reading this story, it's a little bit confusing. Because it appears like Jesus is saying, here's something you can do to earn. But that's not really what Jesus is saying at all. When when a person receives the message of Christ, that's 100% by grace. Salvation only comes 100% on Jesus' part, not ours. But this guy had something in his life he needed to remove, like all of us do when we come to God. And here's how Jesus responded. If you want to be perfect, which really means complete, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, He went away sad because he had great wealth. Why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus say, you need to sell all of your possessions and you need to give money to the poor? Jesus said that because, number one, he wants the guy to spend eternity with him. And he knows what the guy's really trusting in. He knows where he really finds his strength and his hope and his peace. And he's saying, get that out of your life because it needs to come from me. Release it. Jesus didn't respond and say, sell your possessions and give to the poor so the guy could earn his way to eternity. He responded that way because Jesus wanted the guy to be free. He wanted him to live a free and complete and perfect life. So Jesus is saying, remove what's in the way. And Jesus says that to every single one of us. He wants us to be free. But one thing, you need to write this down if you're taking notes. You can't be freed from something you're not willing to release. And obviously, this young man who was very successful at something, or he inherited a lot of money, somehow this young man was not willing to release the thing that held him captive. He was unwilling to release the grip that his stuff had on him. Now, why did Jesus challenge him with generosity? Hey, you need to sell your stuff and be generous. That's what Jesus said. Was it because the night before Jesus thought, you know what, I hope somebody asks about heaven tomorrow because we need some money, guys. And if they do, I'm going to tell them to sell everything and give us money because we're poor, we don't have a place to live. And and I'm just going to, this, when, if a rich guy asks, I'm going to say, give me your money. Is that why Jesus said that to the guy? No, Jesus said it because he wanted this young man to be free. And people misunderstand generosity, the giving of money and resources to God all the time. It's so easily misunderstood. It's not something that this God creator up in the sky says, pay up, pay this up. I want that from you. See, generosity is not something that God wants from us. Generosity is something God wants for us. He did not want the guy's money, but he wanted the guy to be generous because it was best 
for the young man who was in the grip of all the things that he had achieved. See, generosity does a couple of things according to this section of scripture. Generosity frees me from the grip of money and possessions. And as I was preparing this message, I thought to myself, what do I have in my possession, material thing, that I just would not get rid of? Now, there are a couple of things I had, I had to admit I struggle with, like getting rid of. So if it was, it's a struggle for me to get rid of the little things I have. Can you imagine this really wealthy guy, the struggle that he had? But Jesus is saying, be generous and it's going to free you. And you probably have things in your life. If, you, if God spoke to you directly like Jesus did this guy and said, give them up, it would be tough. But yet, over and over again, Scripture is clear that there's nothing in this world that, that we can hang on to that's going to help us in eternity. So Jesus is saying, release the thing that has you bound up so you can be free. That's what he wants for this guy. And also generosity frees others from poverty. See, Jesus didn't say, I want you to sell your stuff. I want you to be homeless, penniless, and live on the streets. He didn't say that. He said, sell the stuff that's got your heart in a grip and give to the poor. Because Jesus also wants the poor to be free. The poor being defined as those who can't help themselves. Those who need some help to get things going. Those who need some help to see the hope and the peace that God offers through his people. So he's saying, sell your stuff and give to the poor. Scripture makes it clear. Jesus makes it clear. Scripture, Jesus, God, they have no, no issue with people being wealthy. Never does it say it's wrong to be wealthy. It's wrong to earn a lot of money. In fact, it's encouraged even. Work hard. And and some people are going to work hard and they're going to be wealthy. The Bible never condemns that. But what the Bible does communicate is those who are rich are at a disadvantage in this life. That's kind of upside down, isn't it? But the Bible clearly says that the rich are at a disadvantage. Now, you may have thought when I said that, well, not talking to me because I'm not rich. But you drove here. If it would have been hot, you could turn on air conditioning. If it was really cold, you'd turn on the heater. You probably slept in a bed last night. And after church, you're thinking about where you're going to go eat lunch. And you're going to go and be able to either prepare food at your house or go to a restaurant and pay for it. You're rich. According to the world's standards around the world, if you look at what we have... We are rich. And then you section it down to our city. We are rich. Section it down to our zip code. We're rich. This room, we're rich. And Jesus says and believes that those of us who are rich can be at a disadvantage. That's because it's so easy to turn our trust and our hope from God to the things that he blesses us with. To the material thing. So Jesus is saying to this guy, if you want to be free, give it up. If you want to be free, give to the poor because it frees them up. We have it within our grasp, within our ability to free people 
from poverty. And as we have talked about this catalyst journey, how we wanted to to really make a difference in our church family and in, our, in the world. We planted a, a couple churches, but we planted one in Ecuador and, and we're going to plant more out of this country because we want to help people be freed from poverty. And as we're helping people be freed from poverty through our generosity, in turn, it frees us from the grip of the things that we enjoy a lot. Nothing wrong with enjoying them, but God wants us to be free from them. And that's what he's asking this young man to do. And this young man went away sad. So as we're in this catalyst journey that ends next April, our leaders are always looking for ways that we can really make a difference and free people from poverty. That's one of the things that that we made sure that we made very top of the list. How do we free people from poverty and help them live a different life? And a few months ago, we got connected with this ministry called Higher Level Ministry that does just that. It's one of the things that we're going to continue to get more involved with. One of the things we're going to encourage you to get more involved with. And you're going to hear more about that in a few minutes. But there's one of the guys that went through Higher Level Ministry. And he'll explain it as he goes through the video. But he went through this ministry. He ends up from going from homelessness to an income-producing job where he's self-sustaining. And it's an amazing story. His name is Joe. And when we went to interview Joe, Joe spoke. He spoke longer than we had memory on the card in the camera. So, and I gave it to our editor and I said, this has got to be three minutes (laughs) out of 30. He got it down to four and a half. And I want you to hear Joe's story of how the generosity of others freed him. Take a look. All right, how are you guys doing today? My name is Joe Henderson, and I just, I have a story I want to tell you guys. Uh, I really think I should share this with someone because it has overwhelmed me. And I didn't come, I didn't come like this, but I'm here. I was homeless by choice because I had people that I could go stay with, but living under other people's rule, being grown like you, and, and I mean, you know, I just wasn't ready for that again. So I say, well, I need to do something else. I really need to do something else. And I was looking for Christian-based places to go. And my sister told me, she said, well, here, she worked for the state, and she gave me some numbers. And I called these numbers, and it was a lady, Myra Bradley. I talked to her, and she asked me, have you ever heard of, she said, have you ever heard of high-level ministry? said no she said well they're gonna be meeting the white memorial presbyterian church is gonna be meet having a meeting and there's some guys gonna be there from there so i said well i go so i talked to the guy i think i talked to john brewer me and him were introduced i talked to him and he was telling me that they was gonna they were starting this ministry and he asked me what was i willing to be a part of it and I said, man, if it got ministry in it, that's what I want to do. So these guys, meeting these guys and, and getting in this class, this class showed me that, I mean, you know, I'm no different than no one else. If I want to, if you want to build, 
a stable home. If you want to build a stable home, you got to take the initiative to look inside you. First, you got to get scraped and do what you need to do, and then we'll help. When somebody just embrace you like that and don't know you, just a stranger that's embrace you like that and don't know you, it touched me. And you know, I, cry, I ain't gonna tell you no lie, man, I cried a lot. That night, you know, after I leave the guy, I cried a lot, man. So, after, after I say uh, four or five months, these guys, after I went into this class, these guys taught me the things that I had learned in school and threw them away. But these guys taught me something, man, about being on the job and climbing the ladder, being on the job, and putting you back in society, man, where you really belong. But as I went on and went on through, man, don't you know, these guys told me, now you're doing good, Joe. If it's anything that we can do, you let us know. Is there anything that you wanted to do that you was financially unable to do years ago? And I told them. When I came here, I told them I always wanted to drive 18 wheels. I always wanted to drive trucks. Didn't have, you know, didn't have the money to pay, but always wanted to drive trucks. Man, don't you know them guys actually told me to go find a school and come back and let us know and we'll sit down and talk about it. I went and found a school and, 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 and the guys made sure I got my uh, Class A license. Now I drive 18 wheelers. Man, I'm talking about it. You see, it's choking me. It's, it's coming to me now, but it's choking me up because, you know, it's it just, if you allow the Lord to move in your life, these are the things. I'm gonna, he gonna bring you to the people and the people gonna find you. So now I'm driving 18 wheelers. I got my class A driving 18 wheelers. Now I train people to drive 18 wheelers. High level ministry has showed me and has done a lot for me. Not only me, the class that I was in for them as well. And I want to continue to thank anybody that's doing this because I want to give something back myself. I want to do something for somebody myself. So that's Joe's story. And Joe's story is the result of people being generous with their riches. And because of that, the people who gave, their life was changed. You're going to meet some of them in just a moment. But Joe's life was changed. And then all of the people that Joe wants to touch. And like I said, he's talked for a really long time and I wasn't able to, I was about to say, hey, you want to speak at our church and just go ahead and and finish it out that day? But he, he talked about how he's always looking for somebody that he can help. And so somebody helped him. It wasn't an easy road for him. And then he's turning and helping other people. And that happened because of the people who started higher level ministry. And I want you to meet them. I want you to meet Jacqueline Brewer. She is the program director uh, for higher level. Her dad, Robert Bruce, he is the uh, uh, president of higher level. And then John Brewer on the end, he's the executive director of higher level. John, tell us a little bit about um, what higher level does, specifically does for people who uh, are where Joe was and helps to get him where he is today. Well, first, it chokes me up to see Joe, so I got to get composure because Joe's very dear to us, as all of our members have been. 
But we set up a program where we interview people that are looking for self-sustainability. They have to have the desire to want to be educated. Then they have to work toward that goal. We don't give them a handout. We give them a hand up. When they graduate, they can earn up to $3,500 for a scholarship to do what they'd like. In Joe's case, he applied it to a CDL. And you can see his story and, and how he's applied it. The program has three phases. The first phase is wellness and health. We have a lady that volunteers that has a master's degree that teaches people about power food, how you can live on a budget, uh, exercise, drinking water. That's the first phase. Now, the adults bring their children, and the children also are trained the same thing that the adults are being trained. Then we train them in computer skills. After that, we teach them leadership. And what Joe was taught about is leadership is just communication skills, how to get ahead in life, how to ask the right questions, how to move forward. One example was one of our participants didn't know how to talk to their employer, went back and said, here's my goals. We teach them how to talk about their goals. And the lady said, I didn't know you had goals to achieve that. I'm going for my next promotion. And she ended up getting the job that she moved up to, and she ended up getting the promotion. So it's just simple things that we teach them in life. And we have people that have criminal backgrounds, people that have been homeless, people just need a hand up, and uh, that's pretty much our program. I, I'd love to talk more about it, but we're limited in time, but you can meet us out at our booth afterwards, and we can explain more. Why you started Higher Level Ministry? Well, it was, um, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Um, it was 2008, 2009 uh, at my old church, Wake Forest Presbyterian. I was looking for a community-based service project that I could really dive into, and they didn't have anything. And the more I looked around, the less I found. Uh, and, I, and I love giving to, um, you know, the compassion group and helping other countries and doing those sorts of things. But also like I get a lot of enjoyment out of giving back to a community that's given so much to my, to me and my family. We were blessed in 2010 for a, com a publicly traded company came and bought the company that I developed for about uh, my partner and I developed for about 14 years. And so we were left with this, with no company after all that work and um, a lot of resources. And we wanted to put those in play in a way that was going to be meaningful. So the first answer to the question is um, doing what we do, it's what, it's what God's asked us to do. I mean, you can read it in nearly every book of the Bible, but we have on the back of these shirts, it's Second James. If you're familiar with Second James uh, 2.14, where he talks about um, faith and the need to carry your faith forward into the deeds that you do as a person. And faith doesn't mean much unless you're following that up with action and with deeds. And, and that's kind of the person that I am. And so I went looking hard and fast, and I just couldn't find anything. So I decided I'd do it on my own. And the longer I went down that road, the harder that got because doing something on your own like this, you just can't do it. So I was blessed by our pastor from my old church, introduced me to John, and we started brainstorming. And we came up with an education platform that John briefly described, which allows our, our candidates to come in that we interview and accept. And they learn three phases of very important pieces of our mission and our mission is to, is very simply, is to 
bring people to a level of knowledge so that they can effectively go out, interview, and, and acquire sustainable wage employment. And the sustainable wage in Wake County, does anybody like to guess? How much? Uh, it's a little high, but sustainable wage for a single mom and her kids, it's $14.20 an hour. So most of our, most of the folks that participate with us since our first class have two or three jobs. And I don't need to tell you what that does to the family unit just so they can put enough food on the table three times a day, pay for medicine, put the gas in the car, pay the rent, pay the light bill, do all the things they need. So something needed to be done. Um, and there's two things that we do that I think are uniquely different than any other group, I don't know in the country, but I know certainly in the state of North Carolina. We give our participants who successfully make it to the end, and generally we have about, it's about 50% attrition. It's a, not an easy program, so, and it's not a handout. You can't just show up and be a warm body and get the scholarship money at the end. You got to pass all the tests. You got to turn in your homework. You got to be there every night. It's it's school, so um, it's it's not an easy program. But when they graduate, we give them a thirty-five hundred dollars scholarship that they can use to do like Joe did. He went and got his CDLs, Class A license. Um, Lawan, we have another gal that's going back to be a nurse, and there's the list goes on and on. We have actually fourteen graduates in our first. Uh, two and a half classes. Uh, is that right? Three classes. Sorry. Um, so, why we why we decided to do what we're doing is because God asked us to, and I really believe in my heart of hearts, there's nothing like this in our state. Certainly not in our city, where we, all of us here in this room, and anybody that you know. I know there's a pent-up need that people have to help the people that are around them. I know it. You're here at church today on Sunday. You think about it. and it's, But sometimes it's difficult to find, you know, where to put that resource that you have in your mind, that willingness to do something. And if you have that desire, uh, please stop by our booth, um, and we have some information we can give you. And you can do what you want with it, but we can use... Um, any resource we can get our hands on at this point. Jacqueline, tell us a little bit about, as, as we're hearing this, this story, we hear Joe's story, just this amazing organization you guys have gotten started that, that really helps people move from um, having to live on assistance to where they can actually be self-sustaining. Uh, tell us how we can get involved if we want to do more. Okay. Um, so what we're doing, what we're looking for is just anybody with, anything, um, <laughs> any kind of resource, any kind of skill, um, we can find a place and a need and a, a need for it. Um, right now we have mentors that walk alongside our participants, and so that helps guarantee that they have their success at the end of our nine months. Um, the mentors meet with the participant every week. We teach class every Thursday evening. Um, ECPI was gener generous enough to donate us some space, and so we have a class for the adults, and then their youth come with them, and they also learn the pr same program um, just on their level, of course. 
And so we'll have, we have youth volunteers, so if you're interested in working with youth, we would love to have you do that. If you have an educational background and you'd like to help us develop the curriculum even further, you're welcome to do that. We have a career educator who actually teaches the course, and then we have some volunteers who help with the youth. Um, right now we have a wellness instructor who is teaching our wellness class for us, but if you have a, a background in health or science or anything like that and you'd like to help with that or give us some advice or opinions or anything, we'd be happy to um, have that. Um, we have the computer skills, and the computer skills is really the course that most people need the most help with. Um, we're working with individuals who, for the most part, um, they might not even know where the on button is, or they're still picking up paper applications. And by the time you've done that, that job is full. So um, getting them computer skills, recognizing that if you lose your email password, you don't just create a new email account. Um, so if you have skills in computers or leadership, if you're a manager or a supervisor and you'd like to teach our leadership class, we'd be happy to have you with that. The mentors ensure the um, participant's success. So if you'd like to walk along with a participant and give them personal and professional advice. Um, we'd like to have you help with that. Rob Perry had mentioned having small groups cook dinners for our, um, our participants because we serve dinner for our classes every week. So if you'd like to help with that or really anything, anything that you're called to do, we can find a place for it with our participants. One of the things that I thought of yesterday that she just reminded me of is that you just reminded me of is John has corporate, John and I both have corporate experience, and there's a big difference in running a business than there is running a nonprofit. So, if there's anybody in this crowd, or if you know of anybody that might be willing to sit down and help in a steering committee format or whatever format works for them, that can, that can sort of lay out some of the uh, groundwork on, you know, how do we go about fundraising? And, and the things that you need. Because just like every business, you have to have cash flow to keep it going. I mean, right now I, I have a gentleman who was my business partner at the business uh, before we sold it that is um, donating the $3,500 per person every time we graduate a class. And that's awesome. Um, and the rest of it is being the administrative, everything else I'm funding. So, um, you know, if we could talk to somebody that could help us and show us some of the ways and means of how to, how to effectively raise money. You know, you see people, they do it all the time. So um, we just, we're just not there. We don't really know what button to push to be able to do that. So, You know, uh, one of the things that I know about these three folks is – Higher level exists because of their generosity, their financial generosity, them giving other time and, and just really investing all of their lives into this. And because they have been so generous with their resources to get this going, I'd like to hear uh, from a couple of them just how, how has, you know, the fact that you've been generous to help this get going, to help people move to from being trapped in a system to a sustainable wage. If you, as you've helped people do that, what has it done for you? Well, first of all, my son is 14, my daughter's 11. Uh, I've been blessed with the responsibility to work with our alumni, and once we start them in the program, we do one-on-ones with them. So I get to know their families. Uh, they come to our homes. We've been to their homes. Uh, 
we get a good chance to interact in the families and try to break the cultural divide to make sure that the children and the adults, they don't run in the same pattern. So how it's changed my life and my family is both my 14-year-old son and my 11-year-old daughter are involved, and they come with me. And my son gave us a little name, and this is what I always stick with. And he was in our first, the earlier session here at church. Uh, he said that what we truly are is hope merchants. So if you think about it, you can live without food and water, but you really can't live without hope. So my son came up with that, so that's how it changed my life. My son really is involved in it, and he's involved with other charities, and, and it's great for youth to get involved. And then the adults, it's the same kind of cultural thing that you can develop in your own families. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the changes in my life have been very similar. This is my daughter. I'm so proud to be sitting next to her. She's with my grandson, Camden, right now. So um, I'm really excited about that. But our, the, the net effect is, is that what, we, what we've read in the Bible as a family means more to us now. And we take more time to get together as a family and pray together and, be, and realize the true power of prayer and, and get together and welcome other people that, you know, most people when there's some grubby guy on the street corner at Crabtree Mall with his hand out or standing there with his bucket, you know, can you give me a dollar or something, people are afraid they're going to catch homelessness. So they, you know, they fake like they're on the phone or you know, they roll their window down and just barely stick the dollar out. The reality of it is the brave people are not you. They're the ones that are standing on this. Think about it. Reverse roles. Imagine if you had to beg for money every day so that you could eat. That's, that's pretty tough. So, it, you know, we got to where we pulled the car over, go meet them, talk to them, see what they're about, and... If we, can, if we can invite them to some other program that we know of that might be better suited for them until they get a little more ready to go before they come into higher level, we've at least established that relationship with them. Thank you. What, what I love about what they do, and I was telling Robert this a couple of weeks ago, we were having coffee, and I said, what I really see in higher level and what they do is it's an answer. It's a true answer for people to get out of a system that keeps them trapped and, and be able to be self-sustaining. And they do that. There's so many more stories like Joe's um, that you can find out about. Go out to the info booth and meet them, and they can tell you how uh, to get even more involved with their ministry. So thank you all for sharing with us. We really, really appreciate it. <clears throat> We, we, wanted to, we wanted to share how through our Catalyst journey, we're getting more involved with trying to change our community. Because when you hear stories like Joe's and you hear about these three extravagantly generous people who are making a difference in the world, it starts to change your perspective a little bit. And as I've gotten to know them a little bit better. It started to change my perspective a little bit. When our perspective changes, it's easier to be generous. The story, that Je- the story about Jesus' in- interaction with this young man who he said, sell what you have and give to the poor, forever connected eternity and generosity together. Not that anybody's got to earn their way to heaven, but God wants us to know that our generosity has ripples that go all the way into eternity. Now, I would encourage you as you're thinking, 
if you're going to get in uh, on this catalyst journey or continue on it for the next 12 months with us, that you would think about what is it that I can do now, generosity-wise, financially, with my time, with my skills, to really have a ripple that goes way beyond my life and let go of the things that we enjoy so much that, and get, be freed up ourselves in order to help free others from poverty. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing story, Joe's story of going from being on a cardboard box to, to having a job where he in turn helps others. God, help us to let go of what we need to let go of to fully follow you. And God, help us to see how much generosity frees us. And also you've given us the power to help free others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.